وأقول في القرآن ما جاءت به آياته فهو الكريم المنزل وأقول قال الله جل جلاله والمصطفى الهادي ولا أتأول الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to another installment from this short course on the Muslim family brought to you by المدرسة العمرية Of course we begin by praising Allah Azza wa Jal by asking Allah to exalt the mention grant peace to our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to his family and his companions. So we've spoken about the essence of the marriage contract in the sense of the, the nature of the contract. And if you like, the kind of, you know, start to talk about the terms and conditions that you signed up to when you agreed to that contract and, and the fact that it is an act, it's a contract and it's a mithaq, it's a covenant. However, what I would like to do in this episode, insha'Allah ta'ala, is to look at some of the principles and foundations of the rights between the husband and the wife. Now, when we read our scholars, the scholars of Islam, talking about the, the rights of the husband and the wife, there are different ways that people organize that. Uh, sometimes people talk about the, they begin by talking about the obligations of the husband, then the rights of the husband and the obligations of the wife and the rights of the wife, or vice versa. However, what I would like to do is I would like to start with the ayat and the ahadith which are qawa'id, or which are usus, they are, they are foundations and principles that deal with the interaction between husband and wife. So they're more than just a right of the husband or a right of the wife, or an obligation upon the husband, but more of ayat that just that give you a principle or an overview in a general sense of the way that husband and wife are supposed to interact with each other as it relates to their rights and their obligations. So maybe a little bit more of an overview and a little bit more uh, general than just looking at individual rights, which is going to come later on, insha'Allah ta'ala, or individual obligations, which are going to come later on, insha'Allah ta'ala. So we're going to go to our first ayah. Our first ayah is in Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah number 228. I'm just quoting a part of the ayah. And this is a qa'idah, it is a principle, and it's a foundation upon which the husband and wife's interaction with one another and their rights are defined by this principle. That lahunna, belonging to those women. Here it refers to the wife, the wives, the wife. You know that wives, not specifically belong to or, or not specifically uh, wives of any one particular person, but, but a wife in general, wives, they have, I, it belongs to them. مثل الذي عليهن 
they have rights that are mithil. And we're going to come to what the word mithil means here. But let's just call it equal or let's call it similar to those which are alayhinna, which are over them. Bil ma'roof. So the very first thing we want to talk about here is the fact that women in Islam, the wife in Islam, has rights. And that is what is indicated by lahunna, that it belongs to them, that it's their rights that they have, that they possess these rights. And they have rights which are alayhinna, which are rights over them. And that these rights that belong to them and these rights that belong over them. And let's just stop and look at it from the point of view of the husband. So for the husband, lahunna would be alayhi, over him. He has responsibilities, he has obligations. And alayhinna, uh, we can reverse it to lahu or lahum, that he has rights that belong to him. So the wife here, as the ayah sets it out, the wife has rights and she also has obligations. And likewise, therefore, the husband has obligations and he also has rights. And these rights, there is a degree of, if we want to call it mumathala, there is a degree of equity and balance between these sets of rights. And so it isn't the case that a husband has uh, all of this huge number of rights and the wife just has one small right or two small rights or one small expectation or two small expectations. Rather, this ayah sets out that there is a balance between the rights of the wife and the obligations and between the obligations of the husband and the rights of the husband. Walahunna, belonging to those women, are rights, equal or similar to those which are against them, or those which are over them. Maybe against them is the wrong word, but those which are over them, those which are responsibilities or obligations upon them. Bil ma'roof. And when Ibn Kathir rahimullah ta'ala came to this ayah, he focused on those two things the word mithl and the word ma'roof. So, as for the word uh, mithl, we're going to come to talk about this in a little bit of detail because we want to understand does that mean that all of the rights of the husband and wife are entirely equal? Or does that mean that there is a degree of equity and balance between the rights of the husband and the wife? That's an issue we have to talk about. But the next word that we come to, which is very important, is bil ma'roof. So these rights that belong to the wife and these obligations that are upon the wife are both bil ma'roof. And likewise, we can reverse it and say these rights that are, these obligations that are upon the husband and these rights that belong to the husband are all of them bil ma'roof bil ma'roof now this word ma'roof we're going to come again inshallah ta'ala later on to talk in a bit more detail but effectively al ma'roof has two things that we want out of it 
The first is that it is al-khayr, it's good, goodness. So these rights that exist between the husband and the wife and these obligations that exist between the husband and the wife are in a state of ma'roof, in a state of goodness between the two. There is good in them for both parties. There's good for the husband, there's good for the wife. And it brings about goodness in the family. It brings about al-khayr wal-barakah in the family when the obligations and the rights are fulfilled by both parties. And as we go on later on, inshallah, to talk about an-nushuz, which is the disagreements and the arguments that happen between husband and wife and the discord to the point where the marriage becomes, uh, becomes uh, if you like, shaky or the foundations of the marriage start to become doubtful, then here, again, usually this happens because this principle isn't being implemented somewhere along the line. وَلَهُنَّ مِثْلُ بالمعروف, That women have rights that are similar to those that are, that are the obligations over them بالمعروف, with goodness. And the second thing we want to take about the word ma'roof is that al-ma'roof also refers to al-urf, which is in accordance with the norms of the society and what is normal, what is expected within the society. So society and the norms also affect the rights of the husband and the wife. Islam lays out some principles, but within those principles, the exact how, you know, when you dial those in exactly and you're very precise about them, how much money should a husband spend upon his wife? What kind of a house should he give his wife? To what extent is a wife required to serve her husband in terms of serving him around the home? You know, serving his food and, uh, you know, taking care of his, you know, kind of serving his, 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 uh, his, his needs, so to speak, in terms of the home. What, to what extent do we make that an obligation? Generally speaking, it's going to be al-urf, which is going to define the details. Islam is going to define the, the boundaries and is going to say, for example, that a, that a man has to spend upon his wife. He has to, his obligation is, is wujub and nafaqah, the obligation of spending upon his wife. That's one of, his, that's one of the things, lahunna, that they have as a right. It's one of the things, lahunna, it's for them as a right, for those women as a right. Wujub and nafaqah. But how do we limit this nafaqah? Is it $1,000 a month? Is it $100 a month? Is it $10,000 a month? What to where do we draw? Where, how do we put a figure on it? What's going to put a figure on it is al-urf. What is customary and what is known and what is the norm for that kind of woman in that kind of situation, in that kind of circumstance and that kind of husband, in that kind of situation, in that kind of circumstance. So that's going to be an important point, inshallah ta'ala, which we're going to expand upon as we go through this particular lesson. So the first thing we're going to deal with is this word mithil and really try to go into the understanding of it. Because al-mumathala, it can mean uh, mumathala. Tamma, 
um, a mumathala, an, an, an exact equivalence, or it can be a general equality, a general equivalence. So is the equivalence here absolute or is it general? Now, when we say absolute, does it mean that every single right that the wife has, the husband has? And every single right that the husband has, the wife has. One for one. He has the right of such and such, so she has the exact same right. Is it like that? Is it mumathala tamma? Meaning the rights are completely equivalent in every single aspect. Or is it a case where there is mumathala to an extent? There is a degree of equivalence here, but it may not be a one-for-one one in every situation. The scholars, generally speaking, and from the scholars who divided this up, uh, Ibn Ashur, rahimullah ta'ala, in his tafsir, others among the scholars, and I personally think it's a nice way of just dividing this into two, is to say that we can divide the, the rights of the husband and the wife based on this ayah, we can divide it, and based on the word mithl, we can divide it into two, and it, maybe we can even say three. The two that we can divide it into are the rights that have mumathala tam, that have absolute equivalence in them, meaning the husband has it, the wife has it, one for one, equal for equal. And the rights in which there is muqabala, there is an equ a general equivalence in the sense that the husband has a right and that right may not be the same right the wife has, but she has an opposite or an equivalent right. She has a right that kind of sits alongside it. It sits alongside it. So it could be, as an example, the husband's right to marital intimacy and it could be the right, the wife's right to being spent upon. And we could say that there is a degree of muqabala between those two, in the sense that the two of them sit opposite one another and together with one another in the scale of the rights between the husband and the wife. And we can also talk about the daraja, because Allah mentioned in this ayah, in ayah number 228 in Surah Al-Baqarah, and men have over them a degree. And this tells us that it's not from every single angle that is total equivalence. Because Allah said men have a degree over them, meaning there are going to be certain things that a man has over his wife as an obligation over his wife. It's an obligation for her, it's a right for him that the wife doesn't have. So here we're going to say that we can bring two categories or three categories. We can bring the rights between the husband and wife that are totally equal. There's complete equivalence in them. The husband has it and the wife has it. And the two are equivalent. And we can bring the things which sit opposite one another, i.e. the wife has something and the husband has something maybe different, but the two sit opposite one another. That is roughly in balance with that, to a greater or a lesser extent. And then we can talk about the daraja. 
that men have a certain degree of something, an amount of something, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has specified for them. Now, this is something which we shouldn't be worried about, we shouldn't be concerned about, because if this law came from Allah Azza wa Jal, and Allah Azza wa Jal, your law doesn't oppress anybody. It's going to be fair, it's going to be balanced. Allah Azza wa Jal gives whatever He wants to whomever He wants, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is His decision to give out. And that's the meaning of the word Islam, submission to what Allah decrees for you, what Allah legislates for you. That's what Islam is all about, submission. And so it's not for a man to use this darajah, this degree of preference and this degree of excellence that Allah has given him to oppress his wife. Nor is it for a wife to become angry with that degree that Allah has given to her husband and to say that this is, you know, to become angry with it or to become frustrated with it. Rather, the husband and the wife submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we're going to talk very clearly in this course about the danger of the husband using that darajah, that degree that Allah has given him to oppress his wife. Because in a sense, that degree is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's a fadl, it's a, it's a preference, and it's a blessing and a virtue. But in a sense, it's also a risk and an amana and a potential source of punishment. Because, for example, if you take it like the, a manager in a company, for example, just to give you an example, you take a manager in a company, to be promoted to be the manager, that is a fadl, right? That's a virtue, that you have been preferred over the other employees to be chosen to lead the team that you have the qualities in you to lead the team, to be the team leader, to be the manager. You've been chosen and you've been selected for that. That's a fadl. That doesn't mean you're going to be above them in Jannah. It doesn't mean that though they're not beloved to Allah, it's simply that that particular person had the right qualities to lead the team here. So they became the team leader. But when they did that, they also got additional responsibilities. And if they fail in that task, they are more likely to be taken to account for it and they could also lose that job. Now, this is just a job. What about the situation of Islam and the husband and the wife and the responsibilities before Allah? Yes, Allah gave the rijal a daraja. He gave the men a degree here, a, an amount by which he gave them a set of, of rights or a or a, a, a section here or a point which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them and put them in responsibility. However, that doesn't mean that that responsibility doesn't come with additional burdens and additional dangers in it as well. So in reality, the woman, she accepts what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for her and she's content with that. Her obedience is to Allah first and foremost. And every obedience to everyone and anything, anyone else is nothing more than a fara, a branch of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as for the man, the man is in the same situation. He also has people who have been chosen over him, be it whether it be his mother who is 
who has a degree of virtue over him, whether it is uh, and and a degree of uh, authority over him, his parents, his mother, whether it be the the ruler who is in charge over him and has a degree of responsibility over him. Ultimately, this is a society we live in. And this concept, you know, which is a very non-Islamic concept, a very un-Islamic concept, that we we should all be entirely equal in all of our responsibilities and rights and so on. That's not how Allah set out the society. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set out our society with people who are responsible over other people and people who are preferred in certain things over other people. And I give another simple example, the example of lineage. There are some people who Allah preferred in lineage over other people. There are some people who Allah gave a better lineage than other people. Does that mean everyone who has that quality will be above everyone else in Jannah? We, at the end of the day, are in this world in order to be tested, to worship Allah Azza wa Jal, to know Allah Azza wa Jal and worship Him based upon that knowledge. And we're striving for Jannah and that's what matters. And what doesn't matter is who has been given a degree of responsibility over someone else. So for us to sit and fight against this, it doesn't make any sense. Because in reality, if we're sat here fighting with each other over who has that degree of responsibility, first of all, it is Allah's right to give it to whoever He wants. And Allah knows better who to give it to and when to give it to them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that that's the same for the man, for the woman, and in many different situations, in some of them, you'll be you'll be given that responsibility as men, as women. For example, as we said, the mother over her children. In some uh, situations, you someone else will be given that responsibility over you. What matters is Islam, submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to Allah's laws and to Allah's decree and to what Allah has legislated. That's what matters. And ultimately, as a Muslim, the more you realize that submission and achieve it, the more content you will be with what you have been given and what Allah has decreed for you. And like we said, the same thing can be said of the man. It's not a gender issue here. It's an issue of submission to the laws of Allah Um And the same thing could happen for a man. He could crave to be in a position of leadership. He could say, I wish that I could be you know, a governor or a leader or a ruler. But Allah hasn't chosen it for him. Instead, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him underneath a subject of another governor or ruler or somebody responsible. So ultimately, we all have to submit to what Allah has chosen for us and make the best of what Allah has chosen for us. And we talked about the hadith earlier on about the woman who prays her five daily prayers and she fasts her month of Ramadan and she keeps her chastity and she obeys her husband, and it will be said to her, Yawm al-Qiyamah, enter from whichever the doors of Jannah you wish, any of the gates of Jannah. SubhanAllah, so what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might take away, He will give adha'afun mudha'afa, many times over from another angle. The husband, he got the extra daraja, the extra level of rights, the extra level of responsibilities also. He got that extra level. And yet, it's not said to him, Yawm al-Qiyamah, enter whichever door you wish. If he wants to go through the door of fasting, he has to be, you know, sawam. He has to be someone who's fasting all the time. If he wants to go through other doors, he has to be from the people, from gates of Jannah. He has to be from the people who do those actions. 
As for the woman, Allah took away that darajah from her, took away that extra degree of responsibility and that extra degree of rights. And Allah gave her in place that if she obeys her husband and fulfills the basic tenets of Islam, it will be said to her, enter from whichever of the doors of paradise you wish. So don't, don't let anyone get upset. Don't let anyone get frustrated with the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. And ultimately, we all know that as human beings, we are all flawed. So any husband who has a degree of responsibility over his wife, he knows that he's not going to match that standard all the time. And that's going to be frustrating for her sometimes. She says, Allah gave him this degree of responsibility over me. And sometimes... It feels like he's not, it feels like he isn't fulfilling that properly. But that is the nature of all of us. You know, all of us have flaws. And that's why we're going to talk about marital discord and so on. One thing which is also really important to define is that this, these rights, The rights that belong to the wife. And notice Allah spoke about, about those first of all. Allah didn't say the rights of the husband first. Allah didn't say, وَلَهُمْ مِثْلُ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَهُنَّ مِثْلُ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِنَّ Allah spoke about the context of the wife. The wife has rights that are equivalent to those that are obligations over her. بِالْمَعْرُوفِ According to that which is good and according to custom, and men have a degree over them. This entire ayah is defined, what defines for us the rights of the wife? What defines her obligations? What defines the ma'roof, that which is good and that which is khair and that which is blessed by Allah? What defines the daraja that the man has over his wife? What defines those things? They're defined by the Book of Allah, by the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and by what is contained within them, i.e. what is indicated. And we have, you know, consensus and so on and so forth, Those the, the laws and rules of Islam, how they're structured. But the Qur'an and the Sunnah, that's what defines for us the rights of the husband, the rights of the wife. And if we don't define them by the Book of Allah and by the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, what's going to happen? we're going to disagree on everything. Every single thing we're going to disagree. Husband and wife, we're going to fight about everything because there's no common ground. And one of the most beautiful, beautiful things in Islam is that when you agree to this contract, there is already a template available for what the husband and what the wife are going to do the rights of one another. There's a template. Now that template, as we're going to hear, it might not be always, some things will be fixed, but it might not always be fixed. It's possible when it comes to mutual rights for a husband to give up some rights, for a wife to give up some rights. That's also possible because when it comes to حقوق um, al-ibad, the rights of people, it is possible for people to give up rights and we come to talk about sulh and things like that inshallah ta'ala we'll mention about giving up rights for others and things like that but here what we want to establish is that there's a template that is given to you 
there's something given to you that says this is what the Quran says your rights are this is what the Quran the Sunnah says your obligations are this is what the Quran and the Sunnah says that you have as a daraja, as a man you have this degree of responsibility and this these these particular unique rights that are for you that you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to you this is what ma'roof is this is what goodness is and you have a framework of rights and a framework of obligations that is laid out for you by the Quran by the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and that's why when I mean we're not quite onto the topic of marital discord just yet but when we get to the topic of marital discord as a marriage counselor one of the things I've I always will start with is I just start with okay let's start with the rights of the husband and the rights of the wife and let's look at where the flaws and the mistakes are coming in and usually most of the time those flaws and those mistakes are on both sides and Allah knows best usually and that means that there are there are that we haven't got that mumathala we haven't got that muqabala, we haven't got that equivalency, we haven't got that uh, opposite rights where one has a right and then the other one and one and then the other. And that's because that, that system of rights has broken down. So it's defined for us by the Book of Allah and by the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. Still on the topic of this ayah, there are a couple of extra points that we can talk about. Is it therefore, if we talk about muqabala, and we have, we come into this in more detail later on, but if we talk about muqabala, we talk about the husband has a right in response to an obligation that he gives to his wife. In other words, he gives the obligation, he gets the right. She gives the obligation, she gets the right, like that. Is it the case then that a wife may withhold some of her husband's rights because he withholds her rights. Again, more discussion we'll have on this inshallah in the topic of Nushur's, the arguments and the discord between husband and wife. But this is an opinion of many of the scholars of Al-Islam that this ayah indicates the permissibility of if, if the husband is deliberately withholding some of the wife's rights, that she has the right to withhold some of his rights. However, this is no doubt khilaf al-awla is in opposition to what is the best thing to do. Because ultimately, if we go down that route, there'll be at times, as we said, we're all flawed. There'll be times where the husband doesn't quite do his job and then the wife withholds a right, then the husband withholds one, then the wife withholds one, then the husband withholds one, until the point where the marriage will just break down completely. So... Here, we're going to talk more about it in marital discord, but because this ayah is used as an evidence for it, we wanted to mention it. We wanted to mention it here. And on the topic of uh, al-ma'roof, I want to quote you what Imam al-Sa'di said. He said, He said that this matter goes back to al-ma'roof. And he defined al-ma'roof, he said, it is the customs which are present in that country and that time for someone like her and someone like him. And I thought it's a very beautiful way of putting it. It's the rights that are present, that are 
the, the norms that are taking place, the adah, the normal things that are taking place in that country and that time for that kind of woman and that kind of man. So there are four aspects to that urf. One is that the country and the place that they're living in. One is the time that they are living in. One is the status of that wife and her position in the society and the status of the husband and that position in society. And that's what's going to define cultural norms for us as it relates to the marriage. We're going to look at the country, what the people in that country do. We're going to look at the time because Victorian England is not like modern day England, for example, nor is the time of the Prophet wasallam in what is now Saudi Arabia like what is like it is like now in, 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 in Mecca or in Medina uh, today, in Hijaz today, for example. So there's going to be a difference in the Urf according to country. There's going to be a difference in the Urf according to time. And there's going to be a difference according to the husband and the wife. Because if the husband is, for example, a billionaire, there's going to be certain expectations of him which are adat, which are ada jariya. They are customs, which are norms you would expect from someone of that level of wealth. If the wife is a princess, she's going to have certain expectations and certain requirements and certain things which are normal for princesses in the country in which she lives. So these are kind of strange examples, but I just wanted to kind of get the idea into your mind that we're going to look at the country, we're going to look at the time, we're going to look at the wife and the husband to understand what the norms should be. Now, as we said, the norms are where we dial in the specifics. Actually, Islam is going to give us plenty of framework, plenty of rules and regulations, but the exact meaning of them the exact amount that the husband spends, it's going to depend on the country, it's going to depend on the time that we're living in, it's going to depend on his wife and what her status and expectations are, and it's going to depend on him and what his abilities and his status and expectation is. So each of those is going to define the, the minute details, whereas the Sharia is going to give us a framework that we can work within. Finally, to conclude this episode, I want to remind you of the athar of Ibn Abbas from Ikrimah uh, that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he said inni la uhibbu an atazayyana lil mar'ah kama uhibbu an tazayyana li lanna Allah azza wa jalla yaqul wa lahunna mithlu alladhi alayhin this is narrated by Nasa'i al-Kubara and others that Ibn Abbas he said I love to adorn myself for my wife just like I would love for her to adorn herself for me, to beautify herself for me. Because Allah said, This, the reason why I mentioned this is to show that this ayah doesn't just encompass obligations, but also as that if the husband, and this is how Ibn Abbas understood the ayah, if the husband wants certain things from his wife, he needs to be prepared to give certain things from his side. And it may not always be one for one, but it may be that he feels like, you know, I want her to beautify herself for me. And that is one of my rights. But at the same time, I have to be willing to give something. I have to be willing to show something. And the more a person strives for ihsan, the more they strive for that kind of equivalence in terms of the more they're saying that even if Islam maybe doesn't oblige me to do this, 
I should strive to do it because ultimately I want her to do things for me and it has to be give and take. And that is something you can take from the ayah. That there has to be give and take. There has to be a big effort. And and definitely we're not just talking about huquq. We're also talking about ihsan. Striving for excellence. Striving to be better than you ever thought you could be. A better husband you ever thought you could be. A better wife than you ever thought you could be. And to do that you have to be willing to give even more than the minimum standard which Islam requires from you. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention in this episode and Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum. If you're enjoying these videos and you'd like to keep up to date with all of the courses we're going to be running, make sure you head over to amauathome.com.